getting ready to dismiss them. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to tell on Sam real quick. Didn't she do good? Yeah. So um, it is way out of her comfort zone. And um, we've seen so many in the church stepping out of their comfort zone and stepping into uh, things that God calls them to. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful opportunity that is, right? Because we see throughout Scripture so many, whether it's Moses, whether it's Elijah, so many who felt unqualified, unworthy, incapable of doing God's plan, even told God, not me, right? And, and we saw that those are the ones that stepped out and God did amazing things in their life, those that humbled themselves in His presence, and He chose to move literally oceans and, and mountains um, on their behalf. And uh, so when I see uh, the Maduras and the Sams uh, and those, right, there's some of us that we were called for this and, and we're up here and, and that's obvious, but there are those that sometimes um, step up, right, as they grow and as they step into the fullness of the Lord. And um, that's, that's when a God is truly manifested in lives. Uh, and in people. So today is graduation Sunday. We are thankful um, for our graduates, thankful for their lives, thankful for their light, thankful for the part they play uh, in being part of the pulse. And, um, you know, it's an exciting time. I'll never forget when my kids graduated. It was one of those things where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that I'm not going to ball games and I'm not doing these things anymore. But I'm excited to see their next chapter, right? I'm excited to see where God's going to take them next. Now, mommy, not so much. Mommy was, you know, mommy took a few weeks to get through it, right? But, but for me, it was kind of like, okay, we made it. So what's next, right? We made it, and, and let's cheer them on for what's next. And so when we bring our graduates up this morning, that, that's the goal, right? We want to acknowledge them for what they've done. Uh, but we also want to cheer them on uh, for what's next. And we have two this morning, so I'm going to ask uh, our graduates, Michelle and Taylor, if they would, to come up front. That's for you. He's got a card there. That's for you. Watch your card right there. So, Taylor... Let's do it this way. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-oh. So Taylor graduated from Polka High School, and what's your your plans? No? You don't want to do that? You're going to go into orthodontics. Okay. She's going to go into orthodontics. (laughs) Um, So let's cheer her on. Taylor, we're thankful you're part of your church. Taylor works in, in our Bible school. She works in Gospel Quest, and pretty much wherever we need her, she's happy to jump in. Uh, and volunteer, and what a, what a privilege she is. And in the little note I, I wrote her inside the card, I say, you have such a brilliant light um, on your life, and we're thankful that you're here with us. So, yep. And Michelle? Michelle got a degree. I don't know if you heard it. I, I'm not, I didn't catch what, what uh, Haley said in the video, but um, Michelle got her master's in industrial hygiene, right? Wow. Right? Um, I was talking to Jeff via text to make sure we got it right this morning, and um, he, he sent that back to me and everything, and I'm just like, whoa, I, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, that, that 
I understand that. So, so tell us a little bit about what you do and what that's for. Um, so it's part of my safety side of my job, and it's um, ex assessing chemical exposures and making sure everybody has the right, you know, personal protective equipment on for what they're handling. So just keeping my guys safe at work. Awesome. Awesome. So we're thankful for Michelle. She also volunteers wherever we need her. Uh, does whatever uh, we need her to do and always steps right in and most of all keeps Jeff in line. <laughs> right? So let's hear it for Michelle. Thankful for her. So can I do this a little different this morning? You guys okay with that? Huh? What'd you say, Eddie? Turn my chair around? Nah, I'd rather sit like this. So, um, it's a lot happening. A lot going on. Right? I'm tired. Right? I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing the goodness of the Lord poured out in this place. And us not carrying it with us through the week. I'm tired of seeing us make choices that have nothing to do with what goes on in this place on Sunday. Right? And some of you sitting there might say, how dare you? Okay, fine. But listen, I'm your shepherd. And as your shepherd, I pour everything I have into this. I don't claim to be perfect. I won't pretend to be perfect, right? But I pour everything I've got into this. I neglect my family. I neglect my kids. I neglect my grandson. Not begrudgingly. I'm not up here trying to give you a woe story because you all know I'm not that guy right? I'll dig a foxhole and fight with anybody, right? So I'm not up here asking for, for your woe. I'm not up here asking for your pity. That's not that. And if you know me well at all, I'll reject it, right? But I'm being extremely real with you this morning because I think we've missed the point, right? In, this wall, in these walls, we've missed the point. In our homes, we've missed the point. In our community, we've missed the point. Right? And the point is Jesus. The point isn't me. The point isn't the name of our church or who we are. The point isn't you either. You are not the author of your salvation. You say, well, wait a minute. The Scripture says I am. Scripture says you are, but it says with fear and trembling. Why? Because you are choosing to take God's authority over your life, or you're choosing your own authority over His. That's why it comes with fear and trembling. Right? 
I don't think there's anyone in here. Again, I said I'm not perfect, but I don't think there's anyone in here that can't say to the best of my ability that I haven't shepherded you to the best of my ability. I'm pretty clear cut when it comes to the word of God. I don't believe in gray areas. Gray is not okay, right? Because I don't see it anywhere in here. I see black and red, right? Black is literal and historical. And red is the authoritative words of Jesus Christ. And we're preaching a series called Jesus Together. And at the beginning of that series, I read Acts chapter 2 to you, right? A day of Pentecost, a day that, that man, Jesus, broke barriers, tore down walls, and put the world on notice that his gospel, his gospel, not mine or yours, but his gospel now made the decisions of who we are in this life, right? We're not called to carry any ministry other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see all over Facebook and I see all over social media and I hear people talking and and everything else of of this ministry, the ministry of, of religion, the ministry of the Holy Ghost, the ministry of this and that and the other. How about we get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because that's what we were told to go and share. Right? Your workmanship, your ideology, your religion, your traditions, your way of figuring things out is not what we're called to share. But it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. A man born of a virgin. The very man that stood with God. And among the angels, the very word John chapter 1 tells us the very word, the very essence of God made flesh and told to dwell among us, walk with us, and for the first time ever, show us how it's supposed to be done, right? A lot of scriptures, a lot of Old Testament, a lot of, lot of epistles, and and descriptions of the things that those serving him and what they went through. But there is only one authoritative example of God, and that is Jesus Christ. How he walked, how he lived, and how he talked. How he treated people. How he loved others. But in all of that, how he spoke truth. Right? Because the Father seeketh such to worship Him, what? In spirit and in truth. Right? So the Father seeketh that. He's looking for it. Searching for it. And guess what? If He doesn't find it, it doesn't matter how well we orchestrate it in our words. doesn't matter how much attention we draw to ourselves and our deeds and our actions. The Father will look down and be like, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to keep passing by until I find spirit and truth. In the essence of my son, Jesus. 
So if we want to get it right, it starts with Jesus. If we want to get it right, it ends with Jesus. If we want to do it right everywhere in between, it has to have Jesus in the midst of it. Amen? Not you. Not you. I'm done with you theology. Okay? I'm done with me-isms. And I'm done with ideas and workmanship that's not of his hand. Right? And know this. When I pray, and for a long time, this isn't brand new. This isn't a current event thing. This isn't just these last few weeks or months. Right? This has been since August 2017 when we had our first service. I have always prayed for the fullness of God to be found in this place. Not halfway stuff. Because there's enough halfway stuff in this world. There's enough of it. I don't want to be that. Right? And I'll walk away if it becomes that. Right? I want the fullness of God manifested in this church. But as Pentecost proves to us, we don't get to the fullness of God in this house until we get to the fullness of God in this house, right? And that is the, that is the proving point of Pentecost, right? And, and we'll scream Pentecost and we'll scream Holy Ghost and, and we'll scream gifts and wonders and prophecies and we'll claim to be more than we are and we'll lose ourselves in all of it. Because we've missed Jesus along the way. Right? I'm going to be honest with you. If I hear people ministering something more than Jesus, it, it creates questions for me. Well, where's Jesus in that? Right? Because you can't get to that. You can't be that until you get Jesus right. That's why from the very beginning, this has said Jesus, right? And we put a semicolon, I put a semicolon there, right? And when questioned about, Jay, I'm not sure that's grammatically correct, I'm like, I don't care, right? Because until we get Jesus right, there's no together, right? We can come together with a myriad of, of ideas and ideologies and religions and traditions and stuff, Right? and further confuse and confound and bind one another. Y'all didn't hear that, did you? Hmm? Further confuse, confound, and bind one another. That's how real this is. And I want you to get that, because you're going to answer for it. We're all going to answer for it. Every word, every example, every jot and every tittle, we do in his name, we're going to answer for. 
right? Looking at all of you, right? You're going to answer for it. You're going to, I'm going to answer for it, right? You're going to answer for it. And that's reality, friends. I love you, man, I love you. When I hug your neck, I mean it, right? And I don't tell you I love you just because I pretend to be the good pastor. No, I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful you're here. Because I know you're going to get it real from me. And from that, you have an opportunity to do it real for Jesus. You see, none of it's about me. If anything, I'm your biggest cheerleader because I want you to get it right. I want you... And I'm beside myself when you don't. And that's got to stop. It's got to stop. Right? Because the things, that are at, the things that are at stake are far beyond the things that drive our decisions. John chapter 10. It's, just, it's crazy how this all works out, right? Because we've just been kind of letting it work week to week, right? Just kind of been letting it work week to week. And where we are is where we are. And Well, John chapter 10 is the good shepherd. And here we are, right? Here we are. <clears throat> Verse 1, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. We got a whole lot to unpack right there. Amen. He that entereth in, Not by the door into the, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. What did Jesus say? After he overthrew the temple, he threw down the money changers' tables, he put his finger in the face of the religious leaders of the day. He said, You have taken my house of prayer. Listen, listen. You've taken my house of prayer and made it a den of thieves. We only enter in through the door that the shepherd has provided. A sheepfold could take on many different looks and feels. I read a, a great book years ago 
written by a, a shepherd. Uh, he was old and, and had shepherded in the fields as, they, as in the days of old. And, and he told his story to someone who, who wrote it in a book and, and told it to us. And they talked about sheepfolds in that. And a sheepfold could sometimes be a cave. It could sometimes, uh, it could sometimes be a, a shelter. Uh, sometimes it's, it's just a stack of rocks big enough that, uh, that wolves and, and lions can't easily get through without the shepherd knowing it um, and whatnot. But a sheepfold could take on many things. But there was always a door. And whoever the porter was, whoever the assistant was to the shepherd, only opened it for the shepherd. Only opened it for the shepherd, and the shepherd would enter, enter in and lead the flock out when it was safe. Amen? So this could be a sheepfold. This could be a place where we come into safety to hear a word that is supposed to transform us and draw us into the newness of life, right? The only newness of life exists through the one who authors life, which is God, right? So coming into a place or entering into our own place that ministers something less is a pathway to destruction, a pathway to worldliness, amen? You see, God intended from the beginning, and you say, well, you've taught us this before, but I don't think some of you are getting it, right? And, and this includes everyone watching at home, so I'm not, just, I'm not just picking on any one person. Don't sit back there and say, well, he's talking to so-and-so. No, I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to everybody, right? I've got, I've got no person in the front of my brain this morning. I'm talking to us all, right? Because, man, we got to get it, right? We got to get this. God intended from the beginning to give us all of the kingdom of heaven, right? We've talked. The garden was a model of, of the description of heaven. It was synonymous to it. God was walking us into his fullness through a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Adam and Eve. He was authoring everything that he held to provide to them in communication and in fellowship. But Eve got ahead of herself and decided she wanted more than what God could offer. She wanted it her way rather than God's way. And so she chose to listen to someone who knew just how to manipulate the words knew just how to feed her mind and her heart what she needed to hear. And so the tree that God said, don't, don't even touch it, right? She picked the apple and took a bite. And then she gave it to her husband with her. With her, right? A lot of you women, you know, I've heard over the years, a lot of y'all, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a talk with Eve. Well, you better have a talk with Adam, too, because he was just as irresponsible, right, with what God had offered. And he took a bite as well. And you know what they came to know? They came to know everything the enemy wanted them to know. 
It opened their heart, it opened their mind, and it opened their flesh, which from that day forward no longer sought God. It sought to please itself. That's why the scriptures tell us the, this flesh only seeks to please itself. That's why, that's why the epistles of John and, and, and the works of Paul tell us that what, what do we have to do? We have to put it in subjection, right? We have to allow spiritual to overcome carnal. How do we do that? We don't do that in ourselves. We don't do that in works and in gifts. How do we do that? We do that through the authoritative example of Jesus Christ. Because he walked this earth. And he was tempted like I am. And he was tempted like you are. And he conquered it. And the only way you and I conquer it, friend, is through his authoritative example. Through who he is. Through what he did. His words, his actions, and his deeds. Amen? Nothing else is going to measure up. Nothing else. Amen. I'm all capping that. Nothing else is going to measure up. It's not. And when we, get, when we get to our moment to plead our case, if we're not pleading Jesus, and if we're not pleading his life, and if we're not pleading his authoritative example, it won't be good enough. Won't be. Amen? Why? Because he'll say he never knew you. Why? Because he only knows you through what? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the good shepherd. Amen? What does he say here? Verse 7, And Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Right? You don't get to God. I don't get to God except through who? Jesus. Right? Not my words. His. Through Jesus. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture, rest, hope, blessing, promise. Right? That's the pasture of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. Those are the promises. That's the Acts chapter 2. That's all of the stuff we long for and desire. And God says, it's my plan to give it to you. It was in the beginning, but you let the enemy take it. But now it's my plan again, and I'm giving it to you through my son who will not fail. And so I'm offering you the pastor. I'm offering you the kingdom again, all the promises, all the glory the complete fulfillment of who I am. But now you got to do it through him. He's the door. He's the door. He's the good shepherd. Verse 9, I am the door by me. Any man that enter in shall be saved 
and go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Say that with me. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there's too much destruction for my liking. Way too much. Way too many tears. Way too many hurt. Way, way too much stupid. Right? Y'all know me. I don't, I don't play too many word games with you. I'm not, I'm going to tell you like it is. Just way too much stupid. Right? Way too many phone calls in my week about stupid stuff instead of about kingdom stuff. And we got to do better, man. We got to be better. We got to strive for better. That was the, the whole point of this series is because I saw last fall things that, that, that weren't measuring up to the authoritative example of Jesus. And we were doing it in Jesus' name. Divisive things, hurtful things, angry and mean-spirited things. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And if you think that I'm just a, a sweater and a, spitting, a sweating and spitting pastor up here, guess again, because before any of this happens, what happens up here is the overflow of what happens through the week. A lot of knee time and a lot of prayer time and a lot of time in this word over and over and over and over again. I had someone ask me one time, said, how many times do you think you've read the Bible through? And I said, gee whiz, no clue. I mean, I read it through three times every year, right? So 30 years, that's at least 90, right? And plus all of the other study and all the other stuff I've done and everything else. And so we kind of talked through that. And so then we got to the point in the place, it's like, so why do you spend so much time in it now? I said, because it's always teaching me. And it's always taking me places I haven't been before. Why? Because I want the fullness of the kingdom, right? I don't, I don't want to just a little pick and a pluck here and there, right? I don't want to come in here and, and leave full of emotion and not leave with the fullness of who God is. So I keep praying and I keep fasting and I keep pouring myself into this word. Why? Because I want to shepherd myself first. I want to bring myself under the authoritative example of Christ. And then as I'm called to, I want to present it to you so that you can bring yourself under the authoritative example of Christ. Why? Because he's the door. He's the door. None of us are getting in any other way. Right? And if, and if we climb the wall or we find a back door to the cave and we wiggle ourselves in, right? We'll be separated as chaff and burned. Again, not my words, his. Right? 
So if we want to play holy, why not be holy? If we want to play powerful, why not be powerful? It's all promised. It's all given. Why not pursue it with all that is within us to come into the full glory and power of our Father? Amen? Listen, don't be a thief. Don't be a robber because you're accountable for it. I was talking with a friend this week, and um, we we're talking about a number of different things, no one in particular, so don't anyone put words in my mouth. But we, we were talking, and, and I was sharing about what I read in this book. And I said, you know, I said, I read in this book, and, and this guy being a shepherd, I assume it's true, that a shepherd, when a, when a, a sheep would stray off, especially a young one, right? It would go and get it, and it would bring it back repetitively, Right? And every time it would run off, right, especially if it was a little older, it would, the shepherd would wait a little bit longer before he would go and get it. And when he would get it, he would leash it or rope it to himself, right? And however long the sheep was away from the shepherd, let's say it was two days, it would leash that sheep to itself that same amount of time. And through that amount of time, he would talk to it. Probably named it, right? He would pet it, right? And he would love on it. And if the sheep would run off again, he would wait a little bit longer, bring it back, leash it to himself again and again and again, and each time longer and longer and longer, continuing to create fellowship and communion with himself between himself and the sheep. Ultimately creating something that the sheep wouldn't want to be away from. And because the sheep would become endeared to the shepherd, it would no longer desire to run off. It would no longer desire what was in the next valley because the shepherd's in this valley. And I don't want to be away from the shepherd. I don't want to be away from the head scratches and I don't want to be away from the anointing and I don't want to be away from the things that the shepherd does. I want the shepherd more than whatever's over there. And this is how it would train the sheep to stay with the shepherd. And so my friend responds to that and he says, um, wow, that's really good. I've never heard that before. You're not going to leash anybody to me, are you? And I literally laughed out loud at that. I thought it was pretty funny, right? You're not going to leash anybody to me, are you? Amen. I don't even want to leash you to me. purpose in all of this
is to lease you to Jesus. <clears throat> to make you desire him so much that nothing else is enough. Amen. No buts. No buts to that statement. None. No buts. So get them out of your head. Nothing, nothing else matters but the shepherd. Not what's next door, not what's down the street, not what next year holds, not my little, my, not my little dream of this or that or whoever or whatever or whenever, right? What are we sacrificing? What are we sacrificing for if it's not full of the glory of Jesus Christ? Amen? I know, heavy stuff this morning. Our visitors are probably like, what in the world did I walk into this morning? Amen? Well, I'm going to tell you, what you, all, you walked into is something real, right? Because... Uh, I think everybody in this place will tell you I'll be as real as I can possibly be. And I'm not much of a sugar coater or patty caker, right? I want you to understand the word. I want it to be real and I want it to be alive in your lives. And I want it to leash you to the shepherd. Because it is the only way you make it. It is the only way you make it. I can't say it any. I can't say it any realer than that. I can't tell you any better jokes, you know, that that make it resonate with you. And and none of the stuff that goes on here are theatrics, but there are things that are are there to help you get it, to help flip the switch, and for you to understand that Jesus is on your side, but He's not going to tolerate the things that aren't part of who He is. Right. And it's why these things matter. It's why they matter. Because you're not coming in any other way. It's why he's likened to a shepherd. Right? Because his goal is to lead you. His goal is to guide you. His goal is to find a pasture that you can find hope and glory and promise and reward in without fear of the enemy. Now your flesh, on the other hand, your flesh is who invites the enemy. Right? Everyone always says, I'm under attack. No, you've invited the enemy is what you've done. Right? You've allowed the enemy to come in. You say, you mean you don't get under attack? No, what I find is... I find that Satan tries to get in the way of what it is that God's trying to do in my life, right? If I'm making stupid decisions, everybody say stupid. If I'm making stupid decisions that's allowing me to come under attack, that's not Jesus' fault, right? Right? God can't be tempted of evil, James 
The book of James, God can't be tempted of evil, therefore he can't tempt you of evil. Right? Evil comes by the flesh. Evil comes by our lusts. People come, or, or the, the attacks come by our choosing of the things that are less than Christ. Right? And we can, you know, we, we can paint a picture. We can make it look this way or that way. We, we, can, we can lie our way through it and try to orchestrate how everyone perceives it. You know what that's called? It's called narcissism, right? And it's, it's one of the greatest tools of the flesh, right? Why? Because it makes us think we are our own shepherd. We are our own God. We're not. We're not. Not a single one of us are. Not one. Amen. We all need the Good Shepherd. We all need Jesus. And we all need Him to speak to the porter at the door to let us come in. Because if he doesn't tell the porter to open when Jay's time comes to stand before him, guess what? Porter ain't opening. Now, how much time I've spent on my knees, no matter how many times I've read the Bible through, no matter blah, 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 blah. No matter what Jay's resume is, porter's not opening the door. I can only enter in through Jesus Christ. No other way. No other way. So quit pretending. Quit playing games with me. Quit playing games with God. Because I'm at my breaking point with it. Okay? We have more important things to do Right? And if I need to tie a rope around you and tie you to myself, probably not going to be tickling your ears. I'm going to be boxing them. Right? That's why you need Jesus more than me, right? I don't want you stupid. Right? And Luke's sitting back there going, yep. <laughs> but man, I love you. There's not a life in this place that I don't love and that I don't cherish and that I don't want to run the streets of heaven with. It's not one. And I intend to make it. I intend to make it. I intend to leash myself. He don't need to leash me, baby. I'm, I'm going to leash myself to the shepherd because I need him and I want him. Amen. So I intend to make it. And I'm inviting all of you, every single one of you, you at home, every single one, I'm inviting you to make it with me. It's why what we're doing matters. It's why Jesus matters. Amen. It's why the semicolon doesn't matter. 
until we get Jesus right. Right? We can't even enter the upper room until we get Jesus right. We sure as heck aren't going to walk out with promises and gifts and flaming tongues until we get Jesus right. That's why they spent 10 days up there getting Jesus right. Getting him right here and getting him right here and getting rid of all of the stupid. Right? That's how they got to the place of power and the, the place of fulfillment and the place of promise of God. You don't get to those things without getting Jesus right. So quit pretending. Right? I don't say that mean. I don't say that sticking my tongue out at you. I say that with a hug. And then I love you with it. Because, man, I want to see us step in to all of the promises that we've been given. I want, I want the demons of hell to tremble when they hear of the name, the Paul Swinfield. Right? None of us can do it alone. None of us can do it alone. The only way we make hell tremble is together. And the only way we come together is through Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the door. He's the good shepherd. He's the one that calls our name before the Father. Nobody else is going to call your name before the Father. Only Jesus. No angels. No friend that's gone on before. Even mom and dad. Both mine are up there. Right? We can argue whether they see us or not. That's, that, that's none of my... It's, it's just insignificant to what we're talking about here this morning. Amen? I hope mom's making some deep dish mac and cheese because Sam and I have come close to perfecting her deep dish mac and cheese, but it's just not quite mom's. Right? So I hope for the big feast. She, she got a great big old bowl up here. And I'm telling you right now, I've waited till last long enough. That big old bowl of mom's mac and cheese is mine. Right? But that's, no. But, but that's all I'm looking to mom for. While she was here, mom prayed for me, and I know she did. But she can't speak me into heaven. She can't speak me into the glory of the Father. Only Jesus can. He's the door. And he's the shepherd. Amen? And if I need to run down to Petco and buy a whole bunch of leashes, then we're going to start doing it. You say, well, I don't, I don't want that, Pastor. Man, everybody, everyone's going to think I'm crazy, least to, to the pastor, least to uh, leadership, or least, least to this one or that one, everything else. Good, good, good. Amen. Nothing drives out stupid faster than embarrassment. Amen. It's why when I pray, listen, it's why when I pray, I pray for evil to be revealed. Amen. Because when it's revealed, we can punch it in the face. Amen. And you say, man, he talks about punching it in the face all the time. It's figurative. 
What I'm really saying is when evil is revealed, we can bring it under the subjection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the punch in the face I'm really talking about. Amen. Has this been real enough? Hmm? not a soul in this place I love more than another. And every person in this place and watching online, I want to hug your neck and I want to tell you I love you. But I'm done with stupid. Okay? Okay? because we've got more important stuff to be doing. We've got bigger things that need our attention. Amen? And I intend, I intend to complete the mission. Amen? And I intend for us to complete the mission together. It's the whole point. We good? You love me? Let's stand and sing. Let's stand and sing. they're getting ready let me let me say this welcome to a mace family meeting the boys got to a certain age and got to a certain place and and this is Dobson's teaching so this isn't my brilliance at all this is his brilliance and me adopting it amen he said that if you've taught your kids as you should have growing up and you've created an authoritative example of Christ in your home, then there comes a point in a time when all the spankings in the world aren't going to do any good, but speaking truth will do more. 
And so long about middle school or maybe a little bit before because my boys were always a lot more mature spiritually than, than people in, in their class. When, when things got to a push or a shove, I would simply say family meeting. We need a family meeting, right? And they knew. I didn't have to give them the details. They knew, okay, we're going to the dining room table. Dad's going to sit in his seat and we're going to sit in our seat and dad's going to break truth. And they always said they would much rather have the spanking than the family meeting. If you look at Luke, he's shaking his head, right? So welcome to a family meeting where I give you the truth and I expect you to do something with it, right? No theatrics. Complete expectation that you do something with it and that we allow the God of this universe to do something with us. Something powerful and something real. Because the wages of sin is death. You think the destruction of your dreams is bad enough? The wages of sin is death. Right? And that's the real fight. That's the real battle. That's the real war. As I said earlier in this week, I, I just, after praying, I was just kind of flipping and I saw this perfect thing that said, I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting the demons trying to destroy you. And even in this moment, that's the battle. That's why there's no one person at the forefront of my head preaching this message. Because I'm fighting hell. I'm fighting hell. And I can't do that alone. I can't do that alone. Right? The only way we do that and win is together. Together. Amen.